Guard and Blazers beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is a good old-fashioned three-segment eclectic one. We're going to talk about the passing of Blazers founder Harry Glickman. Talk a little bit about players' concerns about restarting the season under a bubble scenario at Disney World. And finally, we'll close the show with Damian Lord's latest rap track, where he in no uncertain terms condemns police brutality, the president, and racism in America. But the news of the day that we're going to start with is the passing of Harry Glickman. Glickman, of course, is the founder of the Blazers. He passed away today at the age of 96. Glickman was a staple courtside at games. He sat right around midcourt, feet on the floor, basically directly opposite the road broadcast team, kind of uh, even with the with the visiting bench at Blazer games. Part of my nightly routine when he was there, and I would estimate he came to about 40% of uh, of the home games, even as a 95-year-old last season, but I would walk by him every game. He was a fixture courtside, and he's a true Portland legend, a Blazers legend and a man responsible for the Blazers being in the NBA, period. Now, by the time I was around the team in any real capacity, he was 90 years old. Uh, He retired from working with the Blazers in 1995, and he remained a a part of the organization, but not in an official capacity after that. Like I said, he was at about 40% of the home games. I think one of the, the truly special moments of the last couple of years that where, where Glickman is involved is he's basically right there next to where Dame took that 37-footer to beat OKC. That's basically exactly the latitude of, uh, of where the, Glick, the Glickmans would sit. And uh, if you watch the highlights, he's in the background right there as Dame caps off an incredible performance with a 37-footer to give him 50 points and send OKC packing. Glad Mr. Glickman got to see that. But what I want to do here is tell you how Harry Glickman, a promoter and marketer extraordinaire in the 60s and 70s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, how did someone like that land the Portland Trailblazers? Well, it comes with a pretty good story. Uh, Glickman had always kind of been uh, a promoter in the sports world. Not always. He briefly dabbled in the entertainment world, but he had been in the Portland sports scene. He was born and raised in Portland, went to Lincoln High School and the University of Oregon, a real Oregonian from day one, absolutely. But he had, in his sort of promoter adult life, he had uh, organized boxing matches in St. John's in North Portland. He had uh, founded and and helped run a Portland hockey team, the Buckaroos, before the the minor league hockey team folded. He had helped bring an NFL preseason game to Portland and got about 30,000 people to come to Multnomah Stadium. He was, he was, if there was a big Portland sporting event in Portland during that time in the, in the late 50s and 60s, it was Glickman who was behind it. So he gets um, the idea that he is going to bring the NBA to Portland, which was at time kind of a, a deep outpost. Um, certainly not this, you know, second tier major city that it is today. Apologies if you think second tier is an insult. But, uh, you know, in the late 60s, Portland was um, was certainly a place far away from New York City and Chicago, um, both geographically and just in terms of, of size and political importance. But Glickman was determined to get uh, a team, a team here, and the and the and there was room for expansion. The league was expanding; they were going to add three teams, and and so he wanted to make Portland a destination for one of these teams. He had tried previously and failed, but seemingly in his second attempt, he had 
a much cleaner shot to make this happen. This was early in 1970, and he had the backing of Baltimore's Abe Poland, who was a chairman of the NBA's expansion committee. Uh, Abe, of course, the owner of the Baltimore Colts and a powerful person in the sports world. So Poland had told Glickman, we want, I want you in the league. We want Portland to be in the league. But Glickman still had to find some money, and he had failed in his first attempt to kind of get the right backers behind him. But but he was linked up with Seattle's Herm Sarkowski, who was going to put up the money and choose the rest of his uh, investment team to kind of be the ownership group. So Glickman is down at the expansion meetings in Los Angeles, and basically they needed to show the money... That, what the what the league wanted was for Glickman to prove that he had the money so they could so he had backers to pay the expansion fee and they could kind of get this thing off the ground and Glickman had had trouble contacting uh Sarkowski for a couple days when he had been in Los Angeles and the story goes legend goes and I'm this is a story from Jason Quick my former colleague at the athletic at the Oregonian who now writes for the athletic and uh, the story goes basically that Glickman realizes he left his raincoat in Poland's hotel room and he goes back up to the hotel room and Abe's got Sarkowski on the phone and he says, there's some guy Sarkowski and he wants to talk to you. And, and Sarkowski uh, says, you know, we'll, we'll get you the money. But the expansion committee had said, we need we need to see a letter of credit for $250,000 from Sarkowski's bank by noon. So Glickman is racing all over Los Angeles and he's trying to get the p- proper documentation and he's late to the meeting. And this is, this is what I love about the story, which is why I'm sharing it with you is that to kind of Poland is such an advocate for Glickman and to kind of hold up the meeting. He basically decides that he is going to pretend to have to take a long bathroom break. And he basically locks himself on the toilet and says, uh, basically don't vote without me. And don't disturb me till Harry Glickman gets here. So yeah, a raincoat, a toilet, and a lot of phone calls. That's how Harry Glickman landed the Portland Trailblazers, who were awarded to Portland in February of 1970, would go on to win a championship just seven years later. Glickman worked in various capacities with the Blazers until 1995, until he retired. He passed away on Wednesday at the age of 96. An absolute Portland legend, Mr. Glickman, rest in power. In the second segment, I want to talk a little bit about the plan to restart the season in Orlando. According to some media reports, there are a growing consensus of players who are concerned about the plan. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right. We talked about Harry Glickman and how he got the Portland Trailblazers in 1970. 
Now we're going to shift gears a little bit, like I said, a classically eclectic episode of Lockdown Blazers here, and talk about the NBA's plan to restart. And according to Adrian Wojnarowski, there are a faction of NBA players that are a little bit hesitant about the plan, believe it or not. Here's the key issue. There are players that are being invited to Orlando with zero championship equity. And that means a extended period of time isolated at Disney World with a chance to contract a virus seems like a bummer. According to Wojnowski, there were 40 or 50 players on a conference call over the past 24 hours, so sometime on Tuesday or Wednesday, discussing a number of concerns centered on the restart in Orlando. Obviously, there's been nothing official from the NBA PA, and in fact, the decision to restart, the the league's proposed plan to restart was approved by every member of the voting NBA Players Association. So there isn't a formal concern, but there seems like there's some real informal concerns that are coming up. One of those concerns is that the league has said that uh, family, like family members and non-team personnel can't come until the second round of the playoffs. Uh, It's basically just once there's a reduced number of teams, they'll bring in more people. The idea being the obvious less people, less places for the virus to spread to, less people to quarantine, less people to isolate, all, all, all of the things. You get it. But basically from the time that the league would restart until that, hey, bring your family in is seven weeks. So not just the people who are sort of out of that championship, don't have a piece of that championship pie, don't have any championship equity, say the Phoenix Suns, with all due respect. Like no one on the, the Suns aren't going to win the championship. They have like an incredibly slim chance of even making the playoffs. They're basically just going to Orlando to play eight games. They might be there for three weeks to a month, depending on uh, how it all works. I think it's about a month is the timing how it would work. So that's a month away from your family, a month away from your kids, your wife, your mom, all that stuff. That, that isolation thing is separate from the idea that there's concerns about the coronavirus. The rules now as they stand would be that if a player were to leave the bubble scenario, they'd have to quarantine for 10 days. And I know I kind of joked about that on the previous mailbag, but that is that would be a long time to be away from your team. And it wouldn't be, be seen in like a particularly good light if you were to, you know, just say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to the club in downtown Orlando and then I'm going to sit out for 10 days. That's probably not going to sit well with your teammates, much less the coaching staff and the management group of all the teams so basically what Woj has reported is that the league is is amenable to these concerns I think that they're saying okay we understand these concerns so what they're gonna what the league is sort of you know it's not formal yet but but part of the solution that the league that Woj proposes is that players with medical issues that might place them in high risk categories could seek like independent doctor confirmation, independent medical confirmation to learn whether they could be excused from participation from the whole restart and then they wouldn't be they wouldn't be fined or they wouldn't be you, you they couldn't be financially punished because that's the big thing. Like you miss out on game checks if you don't do if you don't participate. But according to Woj, there's an idea that even those that are told that they're fit to play would be allowed to to sp- remove themselves from the games in Orlando, but they wouldn't get paid for the final eight regular season games. So maybe someone who's making a bunch of money who has real concerns about this could forfeit a couple hundred thousand dollars for their personal safety. 
so I, I think this is mostly just good reporting by Adrian Wojnarowski to have the to have have the goods that there's 40 or 50 NBA players that are really concerned about that. Uh, 40 or 50 is, you know, there's fi- there's 15 players on each team. So that's, you know, three plus teams worth of players who are who are at least listening in on the phone call, if not actively concerned about this. I think this is a big deal for one reason. If there is growing concern, not just from the Phoenixes and the Washington Wizards of the world, but if there are real concerns about player safety from star-level players, and we might not ever know who specifically is concerned about this, but if there are real concerns from the all-star types or borderline all-star types, you know, the, the people with real clout in the league, the league, the NBA is set up such that one one player has such a big impact that one player's voice really, really carries a lot of weight. If this concern extends beyond people who are just like, listen, I don't want to go to Orlando for seven weeks for nothing, basically what Damian Lillard was saying when he said about the meaningless games, you know, if, if that's what, uh, you know, teams down in the standings feel, or if there's real concern about just the overall health and safety of teams in this situation and that concern is coming from players of a certain status that might put this plan in jeopardy i know that all these teams have voted to approve it but part of the voting and approving as i understand it was that the league would figure out the health component next it's now that they have a date and a plan here's how it's going to look and how it's going to work and then they would put forward some health parameters, uh, both how the bubble would work and how frequent testing would be and things like that, but also just what are their what are their plans for if people test positive? What are their plans for expanding rosters? What are their plans for when they do introduce family members and things like that later in the playoffs? How that complicates the bubble? What what would what are the demands on people joining the bubble? What what type of quarantine would they have to go through? If those concerns come from people of a certain status that puts the whole plan in jeopardy and i'm not saying it's in jeopardy what i'm saying is this highlights a a real scenario that i don't think we've necessarily considered i think mostly we have considered that i've said it i mean i said it in the mailbag i think it's a bad plan i don't think they should restart i think it's too much uncertainty i think the coronavirus is a real thing that the league has said dollars are more important than health we don't see the risk as we see the risk to to our bank accounts as more important to our health that's how that is my read on the situation and i've made it clear so if NBA players of a certain status share my concerns or start to start to lean towards my concerns then I think this whole experiment could be in jeopardy. The league will listen to its players. If they don't think it's safe, or if they think that the plan stinks for another reason, the bubble situation doesn't work out for them, the players, even after this vote, I think things could change. So I think what what, what all this reporting does is it it just sets the basic stage. It just says there are already right now in early June, middle of June, there are people concerned about this plan six weeks before the season is supposed to start in Orlando. And over the next six weeks, we're going to need some clarity from the league and from teams on how exactly it's going to work. And hopefully that will assuage some people's concerns. Hopefully, obviously, with an asterisk, because, uh, you know, if restarting, if hopefully if, if the plan is to restart a season, crown a champion, all that, um, then hopefully they can figure it out over the next six weeks. But I think it's important to note that as we stand today, there's already 40 or 50 NBA players who have 
some reservations about the move. And I think that could gum up the works. All right, in the third segment, I'll come back and talk about more about Damian Lillard, the activist. We talked about it a lot in a couple previous episodes, but that was without Dame's voice. He lent his voice to the cause. And that's what I want to close out the show with. But before I do that, I want to tell you, like I've told you a whole bunch of times, all about Built Bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. That's the trick. It just tastes really good. They come in 16 amazing flavors. All of them are covered in 100% chocolate. And they've got a wonderful, soft, and chewy texture. If you've eaten protein bars before, you know that some of them are whack. They're chalky and just, just not good. Built Bar skirts that problem. These are protein bars that taste good. They're also good for you. A wonderful option for the health conscious among us. Because they're low calorie, low in sugar, high in fiber. Sounds pretty good, right? So to get your hands on these delicious and nutritious bars, here's what you do. You go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D, and get $10 off your first purchase. Still a pass for a point guard. Still Mike Rich, but you're still listening to LOCKEDON. Talked about the passing of Harry Glickman in the first segment, how he brought the Portland Trailblazers into existence in 1970. Talked a little bit about some growing concerns reportedly from NBA players about the league's plan to restart the season in Orlando at the end of July. We're going to close the show hearing from Damian Lillard. Our country remains in a sort of a state of uprising, I would say. There are demonstrations across America of people protesting the racist police systems and the murder of George Floyd at the hands of police in Minneapolis but specifically the structural racism that is prevalent in the in our policing systems and how we can how we should address those things. Damon Lord was involved in a demonstration a march in Portland last week. But he did more than that this week. He released a 3-minute rap track that lays out a pointed criticism of our of basically the current state of the nation. Structural and systemic racism, the president's response to it, uh, how policing works for black people and non other non-whites versus how it works for white people. And what I want to play for you here is that track. It's called Blacklist. Take a listen. Oh, and before I, I do play it for you, he does say the F word a couple times. So if that is something that you find offensive, skip ahead three minutes. But um, you've heard me swear in this podcast. You can make it through, and I think the message is important. So tough it out through a f- few swear words for about three minutes. All right, take a listen for real this time. As a brother with a good heart, I say fuck you if you racist. Or white staying quiet, you disabling the changes. And fuck being famous, tired of watching us complaining. Cops kill a brother, get released after arraignments. We in a pandemic. Thought getting out, I'd be more joyed. Then I watched the cop meet to the neck and kill George Floyd. They hide behind the badge. We get the post and it never lasts. Like, was we ever mad? Speed up the process and do the dash. Uh, showing up at every establishment, breaking glass. Taking all their high-end products and making cash. We in our bag, they getting mad. Gotta attack the dollar. Break their ass off proper, hit dogs, holler. As a rich black man living in this country, it's hard being comfy. When the hate your people get is coming from the ones amongst me. 
Used to call us monkeys and slaves and we overcame Still our work is just beginning, protests look like parades And if a teammate of mine do underage, I'm a snitch Me and you ain't a fit, I ain't go sit or convince myself that I'm being loyal or mad at you So why these good cops won't speak on the bad apples? How the president get on TV and be mad casual like If you lootin', we shootin' like it's a game Dude a clown and a trust fund baby, he numb the pain Never had it hard, came in the office, unpatched the scars Let the racist folks tell us we really ain't make it far I feel the tension rising, 1950 how we divided And I ain't even trippin' on how the season decided Racism pandemic is years ahead of the virus Really mean it, but they gon' try to play us as tyrants Look, Ali wasn't the greatest just cause his hands work Frontline for his people, this was a man's work Before he let the black people down, he let the fans hurt So if the stars is aligned, that mean it can work Don't need approval, I've always been doing God's work Even before I was in a Bentley like Farnsworth Make me sick to my stomach to see these moms hurt Tommy Smith, fist in the air, this what our bond worth Support black businesses, gotta fight evil We love ourselves, we don't hate white people We just striving for equality, acknowledge me don't just kill me for chilling when in my property. Got some shit on my mind and I'm feeling helpless. Cause we need help from people who ain't dealt with the kind of shit we experienced or we felt when the country turned on Kaepernick after we knelt it. All the shit we endured and we still playing fair. That black skin really thicker than some Jamaican hair. Our culture beautiful, battle tested and tough. We had enough so we either come with some change or it's gonna be rough, period. And as a brother with a good heart, I say fuck you if you racist Or you white playing quiet You disabling the changes And fuck being famous Tired of watching us complaining Cops kill a brother Get released after arraignments It's a powerful message from the Portland Trailblazers point guard Look, you've heard me on these last couple of episodes implore you to get out and, and make sure you're part of this movement, uh, what, whatever that might look like for you, whether it's uh, through, you know, physically, financially, or mentally, or just listening to people who, who are telling you what the real deal is and believing them. But I don't think my voice is particularly powerful. I felt a moral imperative to say those things, but in the grand scheme of things, I am a jokey podcaster. I'm not the most famous person in the city or the richest person in the city. Damien Lillard is both of those things. He's also a black man in America who can certainly speak more cogently and honestly about those experiences than I can. So maybe rewind the, this podcast re-listen to the track or find it on SoundCloud or his social medias. I think the message is more important than anything I could tell you. And I think it's a message that we all need to hear. That's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.